Hi, I am Chitra. I am Madhvi. I am Jyoti. I am Suchitra. Together, we are your hosts on the Edge Podcast. We bring you stories and experiences from our experiments around learning, marketing, and design. These are stories of people, technology, and people interacting through technology. Of what we see, create, and recommend. Hello everybody. In this episode, I will introduce you to Sharwani Sachidanand and Padmaja Narsipur. Two people I admire and look up to. They have a lot in common. Both are entrepreneurs running their own businesses. Sharwani is the co-founder and director of Anectos. Padmaja is the founder and CEO of Clearly Blue. They are both teachers. Not only do they mentor their employees, they also teach students in colleges both have amassed a lot of knowledge and experience in marketing by working with multiple industries let's now dive into this conversation about marketing using a combination of both traditional and digital methods sharwani and padmaja welcome to this episode of the edge podcast thank you thank you very thank much madhvi it's great to have you both here and i look forward to this chat about all things marketing and learning about both traditional as well as digital methods of marketing let's start with how you got into marketing what do you like about this sharwani do you want to go first how did i get into marketing quite an interesting thing because generally at least from the time that i graduated from you didn't get into marketing if you didn't have a stint in sales without having been a sales person i was very lucky in fact i think i count my stars at that point wherein i think i got a opening into a marketing profile the day i graduated from uh, my mba which is a very very rare occurrence and i also got into a profile that i probably you know would have not gotten into had my <laughs> stars not aligned in terms of being a brand manager for a brand it all fell into place that's all i can say because i joined and within 3 months my boss uh, decided to go pursue higher studies in the us so that his old profile just dropped into my lap 3 months into my job i was like a complete fresher and i was just thrust upon this uh, learn or uh, let go situation just, i went right uh, into the deep end <laughs> yeah, completely but in the same breath i think i been very lucky because without having done a stint in sales i don't know of anybody who's gotten into a marketing job directly and i was lucky enough to get that did i always aspire to be a marketer i think since the time i got into my mba classes at least i was pretty much clear that if i would probably end up with sales or a marketing job because even though i did a commerce education in my undergrad course I don't think I have an an accountant bone in my body. I was pretty clear that I would get into either a sales or a marketing profile. Okay, for me, well, the story is slightly different. Marketing is sort of in my bloodstream because my dad was a marketer. He actually started off his career in sales and then got into marketing. He used to do marketing for uh, companies abroad in India, so he used to link them up. Uh, since i was a small girl i used to work for my dad when he started off his entrepreneurial journey he started it in a small room in our house 
I used to help him. I learned how to how the color coding of capacitors went. I used to help him package up the capacitors. He used to sell them when he first started off. So I always sort of flirted with marketing. Then when I became a techie in Intel, my first stint there was with a marketing group. It was actually called the content group. So the entire mandate of the group was to build a content out there. When when they said content, it was multimedia. multimedia content uh, they would seed the ecosystem with content uh, in time for uh, processor launch so that if a pentium 3 chip launched there would be a lot of content out there websites and different kinds of applications that showcased uh, the processor the speed and the capabilities of the microprocessor i actually had a very long and very fulfilling stint over there worked on some of the leading edge uh, projects of those times in e-learning in uh, multimedia in uh, advertising things like that uh, all from a uh, technology point of view and i also had a significant stint in the intel inside online network which is again a gigantic uh, marketing program so i was again on the technical side i used to be an analyst and designer but it gave me a flavor for how uh, marketing happens on a global scale with a global enterprise and then uh, when i went freelance and i started technical writing that sort of segued into digital marketing i worked with a lot of startups helping them with their digital marketing programs and all that converged into building clearly blue which has a distinct uh, marketing practice now both of you have completely different journeys is your uh, apprenticeship with your dad the reason you went into physics oh very much so. i did a bsc in uh, physics maths and computer science and i got into an mba program but my dad was very insistent that i should stay in pure science he said anybody can go and build a business but you first have to learn how science works first he was quite insistent so i went into physics <laughs> so my dad has had a lot of influence on what i've done and what i continue to do even today my dad's an engineer too contrary to what padmaja said i remember in my childhood days my dad saying if you need to get ahead in life you need to get into sales and marketing because a pure engineer job will only get you so much i think somewhere that had got also ingrained into my thought stream that uh, going forward if uh, i do something in my career then it has to be with establishing something in sales and marketing very contrary beliefs but yeah my dad's words are echoing in my head too end of the day we're all daddy's girls <laughs> <laughs> nice you have very different educational backgrounds your work experience is also very different you work with completely different industries i don't think you guys have a overlap do you want to talk about that i had a significant stint with intel when i started and uh, i flirted with design groups and things like that didn't sit well with me my most significant section of work life there was with uh, this content group where uh, we built the first portals you know way before the moocs were born these massively open online courses you know the courseras and the edexes were born we built the world's first uh, multimedia based e-learning portals we did it for uh, law.com which is the national law board in the us we did it for adage is a huge advertising agency association in the us so we built a portal for them we basically took uh, cassette tapes of uh, law school education talking head kind of cassette tapes i used to have the equipment in my cube where we would translate that 
cassette tape into a digital format and uh, we would put it up on the website you uh, take the player and put the time markers and do all those things all those things which are sort of de facto there in portals today so i looked at it not just from that angle but i i also used to travel quite a lot and uh, meet the people on the other side of the uh, table like our customers people who were trying to do this kind of education online uh, lawyers advertising industry professionals teachers we built something for uh, the teachers school districts in america things like that uh, so it gave me a very good education into what uh, users of uh, technology that is people interacting with technology what their expectations were and things like that those were the first industries i worked with after i returned to india most of my experience was with startups particularly in the technology space edtech i worked uh, with uh, people in the networking space I did projects for SAP, Cisco, Microsoft. So mostly in the technology space, and off late uh, through Clearly Blue, we have worked a lot in the healthcare space. We have customers such as IQVR and so on, all health tech. That has been my industry exposure. Mine has been very India focused from the time that I have graduated. I have worked with hardcore. product companies which have relied hugely on uh, the large uh, distribution eco space that the indian marketeers also depend on different industries is what i have dabbled into in this ecosystem itself from starting my career with bosch where i spent a good amount of my learning years and my formative years building my career i spent 8 years in bosch Though Bosch was such a large uh, organization, uh, and I was a part of their automotive accessories division. In that division, I had a very consumer-centric brand that I launched and uh, worked with a team that literally built that brand in India. This is the brand Blaupunkt. So it was a very funny situation wherein I was in this huge conglomerate, which uh, had a very business-to-business orientation when it came to marketing and sales. and here i was with a particular brand which was the only brand in the entire stable of bosch which dealt with consumers directly we we were literally the blue eyed children of bosch because we were dealing with something that was very different to start with we were dealing with people who owned mercedes benz bmws and at that point in time in 2000 they were far and few between people who owned mercedes probably 100 200 owners across india started my career in that way after that i went into another industry domain which was again consumer centric fnb beverages and liquor when i joined that organization uh, i realized that liquor needs little marketing you don't really have to a uh, hard sell or do too much of an effort to be able to sell uh, liquor brands so you were very successful marketer in the liquor industry honestly i did very badly because there's very little of your marketing skills that you can actually use there but yes they are very very interestingly so what that industry taught me is that how data driven they are and that is probably one of the few verticals in india where you get day to day accurate data in terms of how many cases how, how it's measured in the liquor industry how many cases of liquor is sold of which brand in which particular depot and the kind of data that they have is mind blowing we would evaluate market shares on a daily basis we would every single day on a depot level you know measure uh, data in terms of my 
100 pipers has sold so much vis-a-vis teachers and so i'm losing market share here i need to gain that is the kind of insights that in an indian scenario probably 10 years ago even a decade ago that is the kind of data that they were doing by today i'm sure it is far much more uh, progress but that's how evolved that industry is for me while data was fantastic and i got to learn on those lines it didn't really stimulate me that much or challenge me that much so the next industry completely again different it was a little bit of a dated technology industry but then even today government offices use it they call dot matrix printers the kind of volume and scale of uh, documentation that is required in our country for taxation purpose and everything of course gst and all of those things have evolved over a period of time but then any material that goes it moves with four invoices and if you use a laser printer the costing of it goes through the roof so even today dot matrix printers are used because of their ability to create four prints when one print is being generated and the cost per print is that low because you don't have to spend uh, on paper and uh, the uh, cartridge and things like that and when you're doing mass scale uh, printing which is still happening in our country today it's a very very cost effective printer to have so i was handling a whole range of printers government uh, organizations where my key customers 50 to 60% of my business is to come from railways lic and organizations like that so there i learned a completely different uh, orientation towards marketing where you know you learn how to market to the government on the other side you're marketing to smaller organizations in smaller uh, businesses which required these kind of printers and i started with dot matrix printers which had a huge variety of printers from large format printers to really small printers then we evolved into pos machines because india retail boom was happening a lot of uh, fdi investments had opened up and a lot of foreign investors were coming in and uh, large format stores were opening up pos printing became a very critical thing since so i introduced pos machines into india so that was completely different exposure to uh, a different segment of product business and from there i jumped completely into another new realm altogether which is healthcare which i moved into botox got into aesthetic botox uh, usage started dealing with cosmetologists and dermatologists had to learn the human anatomy all over again especially the facial anatomy because if you're talking to doctors and if you're marketing to doctors and then talking to their clients you need to know what which muscle you're talking about so i completely went back to the basics and learn what muscles are there in the face uh, and things like that so you advanced your science education while doing marketing <laughs> yes and uh, learned the human anatomy i don't think i'd learned any of those things when i was in school to be honest i didn't think pay any attention to anything i'd learned in the school in school days this became bread and butter for me interestingly so uh, that was a completely different line two of the critical roles that i played have been governed by a lot of regulations one is liquor marketing is extremely regulated by the government so we do surrogate advertising and surrogate marketing when it comes to liquor you can't directly go out and say buy a bottle of uh, whiskey you always either talk about responsible driving or you talk about music or you talk about drinking water because very regulated by the government and the other job that i held was with when i marketed botox which is very governed by medical uh, legal laws you cannot outrightly go and push especially 
such a potent drug because it at the end of the day was a neurotoxin so all of these were completely new learnings i used to sit for hours together even before i released a small little marketing related content i had to first go through doctors who would vet the whole copy and then i had to sit with my medical legal team which would then again tell me what is doable what is not doable and things like that and only then anything i put out could be released and published very very different verticals that i've worked with and consciously i did that i always decided i wanted a different industry experience because there's so much learning that each industry vertical will bring into your face after these four stints is when i started on my own today also while i've moved completely away from product and i'm focusing on service delivery my organization delivers on saas based service models but all our services are industry agnostic because i believe as a marketer you should be able to sell anything that is given to you you cannot be domain specific and you cannot be vertical specific at the end of the day you're talking to human beings and trying to convince them to go a certain way with you and that should be doable across the board sharvani i found that uh, surrogate marketing very fascinating this is something i bring up in my classes when i teach at college vijay malya for instance built a very careful king of good times persona and that drove sales of his liquor brands i've seen you know like playing cards coasters water what you have done is i think well worth a case study if not a book sharvani surrogate <laughs> <laughs> advertising is i think a necessary evil for all of these brands because they can't really outright go and talk about what they because there's a whole social stigma associated with uh, alcohol and liquor sometimes i found it really funny because it is regulated and because the government stipulates it we actually have big contracts with uh, musical companies we actually had to produce videos and produce songs mm-hmm. and uh, stack them today i don't even know if these plates exist but if you remember we had a lot of these music selling outlets across india where you could go pick up your cds before right and we had to compulsorily tie up with these national chains and uh, stock our music in all of these places because we had to show that we are in that business also if you are advertising on that business you have to show that that business also existed we used to do a lot of this money spending thing only to be able to sell liquor which is very funny but uh, that is how the whole concept worked the whole bottled water that all of them have is because they should be able to push advertising and then uh, establish a brand so mcdowell's number one bottled water is just to push mcdowell's brand Imperial Blue Water brand is only to push Imperial Blue. This kind of thing it works across domains. So that Intel Inside campaign that I mentioned, that small ding 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 that you see at the end of TV ad or so on, that four second interjection is part of the Intel Inside online network. It's a marketing campaign. If a computer manufacturer he puts that in their ad. they get cashback from intel so it's a global campaign they work and it's big money thousands of manufacturers across the globe you never realize subliminal brand recall that happens over there when you see that in the ads and it's a multi million dollar campaign that recurs year on year even the biggest companies like dell and fujitsu and lenovo they're all part of the campaign My friend worked with Lenovo and a large part of her budget came from Intel Inside and Windows sponsored campaigns. 
probably 50% of their ad revenue or uh, what we used to call the above the line budget used to come from uh, companies like Microsoft and Intel. I used to be at the other end of that campaign where we would run an application across the world. That portal would basically have users from all these computer manufacturers who would log in all their data about the of that logo and uh, that small snippet in, of video. And then we would work out the uh, spends and how much is due to them and so on and so forth. The way marketing is done, uh, the various different ways, it absolutely blows the mind. And particularly now, social media is used, influencers, machines, SEO. It's a whole different universe that has opened up. If you want to achieve scale, which is better, traditional methods or digital methods? I'm still a lot more skeptical about this whole digital mantra, digital thing, Parnaja. I've learned marketing from the grassroots level and the digitization part of the whole thing came much later in my career. Probably that's the reason that I'm still such a strong believer in relationship marketing or one-to-one marketing or more target-oriented marketing. I'm a total believer that digital has facilitated a lot better visibility and targeting today than what we had earlier. I'm still a very strong believer that if it's not a good mix of how you spend your monies across the table, making sure that you're getting the due bang for the buck in each avenue that you invest in, I don't believe that digital is the only way to go. I've seen brands which have invested in pure digital methods lose shares, lose market, not only market shares, mind shares and all of those things. And now I've come back to believing that, okay, no, no, I need to also do traditional. I need to do brick and mortar. I need to do X, Y, Z. This is how it will work. The caveat here is I do not know if it's just an Indian phenomena. I have a subcontinent experience, but I don't have beyond the subcontinent experience. I don't know if it's just an Indian phenomena, but I think in India still a lot of brick and mortar traditional things still work vis-a-vis just going and saying, hey, I have great penetration on the mobile today. I have great internet penetration even at the village and district level. So let me completely digitize everything that I do and see how the consumption will happen. Sarvani, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I would posit that every business today is a digital business, whether they like it or not. Your spend in the digital space absolutely depends on your domain. For example, if Uber were to put out a print ad, it's a waste of their money. Because Uber is an aggregator in the digital space. They are a child of this new digital economy. And their users are people who already are in the digital space. And there's about 4 billion of them right now across the planet who are there digitally, who are looking for products and services online. However, if I were to sell, it could be like a silk and smoothie shampoo sachet that goes to the village stores, you know, where they put those garlands or sachets. Probably not. At the same time, every brand cannot ignore the fact that they need to have digital properties. They need to have a presence online. And this thing is only going to get bigger. As our children grow older, and uh, they're all digital natives, by the way, very unlike us, very unlike me, at least, if you gave a brochure to a teenager today, they would just throw it in the bin. On the other hand, if you ran an Instagram campaign with a nice video, you would catch their attention. So these people are digital natives. They even talk to their friends online. These are the consumers of tomorrow, if not today. 
Even legacy brands, they may be doing, you know, 90% of their spends offline, brick and mortar. That is absolutely the way to go. But taking a claim on the digital properties and doing what I call as digital hygiene, having a website, maybe doing one or two social media channels, just uh, mirroring what you're doing in real life to a small extent online, that is imperative for all businesses. No, no, absolutely. I definitely would not undermine the importance of being available and accessible as a brand in many channels of the digital medium. Like you said, maybe when our generation and probably the generation after us kind of gets completely replaced is when a lot more of these complete or total digitized environment will be effective. But uh, going back to your own example of uh, Uber, I would like to disagree on one element there. You and I as a consumer of Uber would probably want to use Uber and got introduced to Uber, Uber because of some online information. However, Uber did a lot of traditional advertising to get the drivers and the entire segment to come into their fray. So there is always two sides to how you would want to establish a brand. When I was discussing with Madhvi, I was telling her that today my experience with what I do for a living is also largely with people who are bringing these brands to you and me as consumers. The entire intermediaries that we talk about or the facilitators that we talk about. So I'm doing a lot of marketing and communication to these intermediaries. These people are from a mason and a painter and a driver and a mechanic on one side to the technocrats and the energy consultants and the civil engineers and architects on the other spectrum. I'm communicating with this whole range of people across industry segments. And I see that the communication has to change according to the people that I'm talking about. So going back to the Uber example, I know for a fact that when they had to mobilize a large number of drivers from the nook and cranny of you know, villages and things to come down here because they wanted to optimize on the kind of monies they would spend, they would want them to also be willing to go into their investment plan of uh, paying for their own vehicles and everything. They did a lot of traditional conversations. They did a lot of focus groups. They did a lot of uh, group discussions to get these people because there, nothing on the digital medium worked for them. They had to actually one-on-one -on -one do a lot of convincing and conversations and things like that. I believe the pie is very critical. It has to be a pie that has all these ingredients, both offline, online, traditional digital combinations. But like you rightly said, what is my group? What is my target group? What is my audience consumption capabilities? And on the other side, obviously, what is my product all about? And what is my service all about? It's very critical when you're deciding what portion of that ingredient goes into that pie. Absolutely. Just extending that uh, Uber example, Sharwani, they probably did a lot of that when they were building the brand brand awareness kind of things, talking to potential drivers or drivers in their language, maybe, you know, vernacular press. But now I would assume it would all be network effects, right? One driver referring the other. I don't think they need to have those kind of spends in the offline media as much as they did when they were just starting up in India. Correct. At least from what I have seen in the last decade or so, WhatsApp has revolutionized the way yes. digital consumption happens in our country. 
I have seen more trading happen via WhatsApp than probably Amazon and Flipkart put together. The volume and the value of trading that happens on WhatsApp conversations is immense. Entire Surat garment industry or this uh, sari industry, which feeds the Indian and global requirements of uh, saris, which come out of Surat, the diamond industry out of Surat, large scale transactions happen on WhatsApp. Maybe the monetary exchange happens outside of it, but the deals happen on WhatsApp. When you're saying trainings, who is being trained? Is it the consumer or? Sorry, trading. No, but there are instances of training happening on WhatsApp as well. Yes, yes. We as Clearly Blue participated, we built content for such a program. Intuit, who's one of our customers, for their QuickBooks online product. Product was targeted at small and medium businesses across India. So one of the first things they did was they looked at their contact drivers, the top 50 queries that were coming to their customer support center. And they wanted to run a campaign where these queries were answered via WhatsApp so that they didn't get so many queries to their customer support center. So what we did was we built a series of videos, storytelling, which is our portes, where there was a small business owner who had a problem and then this handy, his accountant comes and solves the problem for him. Through a series of 2D animation, screen grab and so on. The subtitling was done in Hindi because a majority of their customers were up north in the tier two cities. They were not conversant with English. They not just had a YouTube playlist of all these videos, about 50 videos. They also started sending it in WhatsApp to all their customers. The campaign was a roaring success. They saw immediate upticks in their daily active users once they started sending these videos out. And it got a very good reception on YouTube as well. Training on WhatsApp is absolutely yes. WhatsApp has been like a bane and a boon in many ways. So one of the uh, stories goes, they used to mysteriously see that uh, New Year's Eve at a particular time the WhatsApp servers would crash in the US. Okay. And then they figured out that is midnight New Year's Eve in India. When they started sending Happy New Year, ah. it actually crashed the servers, WhatsApp servers, the first couple of years in the US. It shows the power of WhatsApp as a communication tool in India. And marketeers are absolutely using it to, like Sharwani said, trading, training, marketing, sales. A lot of it is happening on WhatsApp. My team is dealing with the entire set of intermediaries, irrespective of their educational and professional background, from a mason and a painter to a, a mechanic to the other spectrum of architect to a consultant. We're dealing with all of them. And one common thread is they're all available on WhatsApp. And second thing is every company today worth its salt will come and tell me, please launch a mobile app. The mobile apps that are being released every single day, I don't even have a count to it. Everybody wants to be known that they have a digital presence, a digital property. So anything and everything that is done, they would want to launch a mobile app. As an entity, we have released so many mobile apps for every program that we have run. We have developed a mobile app and we have launched it because the company said it's mandated. We have a digital presence. Now, how many of our friends out there are using a mobile app? Downloading itself is a challenge. Logging in is the second challenge. And after all of those things, for them to transact or use the mobile app is the Herculean task. Everybody wants that tick mark saying, oh, I have a digital presence, so I have a mobile app. 
But flip side of it, we've seen that despite having these digital properties, communication for us is happening through WhatsApp. People are happily communicating on WhatsApp. I even have integrated WhatsApp into some of our mobile apps, but still they would rather just go to the regular WhatsApp app that they have and they will communicate. Like you rightly said, trainings have happened on WhatsApp. We've sent training product modules on WhatsApp for people to learn how to use the product and things like that. We've got transactions completed on WhatsApp. And on the other side, a lot of what we call is soft engagement in our industry, wherein we do what used to be traditionally below the line activities, wherein you would spend one-on-one time of sampling the product, interacting with the brand, uh, do a shop-in-shop activity and things like that. Now we have brought that into the digital medium. To give you an example, we did something for a steel company. Now steel is a very uninvolved sector. You and I as consumers, how many of us deal or think about steel on a regular basis? Now, the dealers and the civil engineers obviously think about steel on a day-to-day basis because it's involved something that they buy and sell and use in their professional lives every day. But if you needed to make them a lot more connected to the brand that you want them to be connected to vis-a-vis so many other players in the market, you need to bring in some kind of an emotional angle. Now with a product like steel, how would you bring an emotional angle when you're talking to a civil engineer or a retailer or distributor? So we brought about this whole set thing saying, let's take steel conversations or the company and the brand conversations into their homes. How do you do that? You get their families involved. Now, how do you get their families involved? Start doing small little things for their families, which as a brand you stand for saying that I'm just not about business for you. I'm also doing a lot more for the benefit of you, your family and things like that. So we've started involving their kids, started with small things like painting contests. 10 years ago, if you wanted to do something like this, you had to do an on-ground event, hire a venue, bring about people there, spend on all of those things. Today, thanks to all these digital platforms that we have, it's become a lot easier. People are so TikTok friendly, people are so Instagram friendly that they will jump at the opportunity of filming themselves and uh, sending you a video of it. So we capitalized on that. We said, hey, when your kid is painting, Make sure that you take a video of that whole process and share it with us along with the pictures of the painting. And we will do the offline judging of the whole thing. And we will make sure that every kid who participates gets a hamper from the brand. We had an overwhelming response. We made sure that every kid got a hamper from Faber Castle. And we picked the top 12 entries and we made it into a desktop calendar. Now, that became such a huge emotional connect that my child participated in something that the brand did. The brand that I only deal with for business purposes has now come home and it is doing so much more with my family. So we've done a lot of these things for brands wherein we've connected with them from health to cooking to nutrition to education, scholarships and everything. And we do as much as possible on a digital format. So I'm not saying digitization is something that I'm completely against, but what we have done is we have combined the traditional ways of what we would have otherwise done and brought in the whole technology piece and said, hey, how can we marry these two things and still keep the flavors going? I think that's absolutely the way to go. Basically, what you're doing is you're using technology as an aid to further your connect with humans. 
which is end of the day what the intention of technology is how would you decide your split in your marketing budget typically what percentage would you say would go to a digital event like this and what would be to a offline event or other traditional forms of advertising and marketing when we participate in marketing campaigns typically the split would have been decided by the customer it varies from brand to brand we have participated in campaigns we have supported brands when they have done offline events which we call event marketing so i'll give you an example uh, this is uh, our uh, customer is brisilcon they are in the supply chain space uh, one of the things they did annually was to have an event called pulse in which they would bring like the biggies from the supply chain domain thought leaders bloggers influencers the entire cxo suite everybody into one physical space and everybody spent two days or three days talking supply chain the event marketing for this had multiple dimensions like sharvani said there would be like the invites going out to people the connects to people in the ecosystem asking the influencers to come and speak so we have done digital campaigns online not just looking outwards but also looking inwards looking at employees so we would build videos that would inform silicon employees of what's going on with the event even design small things like ambient branding at the venue mm. they would all get wine bottles when they went into their hotel room the wine bottles would also have the brand labeling iswa would design the labels for the wine bottles the napkins the placards the podium wrap the banner so nitty gritties of all of those yes the physical marketing aspects and then the digital aspects so the mix would be sort of fluid so we would work with the cmo the head of marketing she would be given a particular budget we would uh, come up with the strategy and tell her that this is what we want to spend on the digital and this is what we want to spend on the physical then she would bless the uh, mix and go for it because this was an event that was cross country cross continental so we relied a lot on the digital for this more money was spent on the digital but the physical was pretty significant considering it was an event where people were coming into that i think once we did it in napa valley and once in uh, mit cambridge so that was a significant spend as well but i think when there are ongoing month on month on month campaigns it depends on two things one is the domain that the brand is operational in and also where the brand is in the journey whether it's brand awareness whether it's brand building whether it's sustaining a brand that has already been established depending on all those factors you decide the mix there would be an annual roadmap and then they break it up quarterly and then we go and do the spends is nailed it it's very very critical to understand where the brand is in the product life cycle map that is the kind of investment that you will have to plan accordingly if i go back to my 10 years of having been product slash brand managers and having handled budgets like this it's always a challenge because you have only that x amount of money available with you as a marketer the options are many it's always a judgment call that you take you kind of lay out your plans on all of these domains people advise you saying this is the kind of roi that you would get if you make these kind of investments into this particular channel of advertising or marketing that you would take and then knowing that you have only that x amount of money available you decide on where the investment goes which will give you the biggest roi like padmaja said if you're doing brand awareness campaign and 
that is your key focus that more people get to know you you need to have a lot of money to spend that is what i call carpet bombing you basically need to have that kind of a budget to be able to sustain that kind of an advertising or that kind of a communication over a period of time across different channels making sure that your brand is recalled over a period of time that's one approach depending on what kind of a brand and product you are you would take on the other side of it if you are very clear that as a brand you have a niche segment you have niche audience and you know that these are the people that would make a huge difference either as influencers or as buyers or as users then you can go with a very targeted approach towards them wherein your cost per contact spends will probably be very high but you know that your results are much higher than taking the carpet bombing route because here you're targeting them you're doing communication on a one on one basis or in a group with them and the results can be far more fetching than the other one so it's completely dependent on what your communication objective is what are the kind of monies that you have set aside and where is your brand at what is the key goal that your brand needs to achieve that's where digital actually scores over traditional at least for some brands because uh, let's say you had to put up a holding on sarjapur road for 2 and 1/2 lakhs for a month or whatever it is you are hoping and praying that everybody who drives by looks at that holding and that brand registers with them the message registers whereas if i took that same 2 and 1/2 lakhs and i did a linkedin and facebook campaign i could actually say i want all adults between the ages of 48 and 65 who are interested in malayalam manorama who have yz education who live in so and so geographies and i want them to see this ad it is incredibly targeted depending on the brand and depending on the life cycle as the owner of that brand i would decide whether i want to spend 2 and 1/2 lakhs on a holding or i want to spend 2 and 1/2 lakhs on a digital campaign I have a slightly different view here Padmajab I'm not a great believer of outdoor media I have spent large amounts of money on outdoor media as a marketer I agree with you wherein you say at one point in time hoardings were cost a bomb I've taken hoardings on MG road paying 10 lakhs a month a decade earlier where 10 lakhs meant a hell a lot of money at that point I would sometimes sit back and wonder what kind of an impact is it happening so I completely understand that perspective but on the flip side of it I've also burnt money on Facebook campaigns I've burnt money on some of the Instagram campaigns especially today I do not really know how much of that data split and the data cut and the data this thing that they're giving me is actually genuine i do not know how much of it is not bought in likes bought in this thing because i've been approached by n number of companies over the last few years they have actually said we can make a huge difference in the number of likes that you get in the number of profiles who match your requirements and things like that and all of those they outrightly tell you are going to be fabricated ones i do carry that bit of skepticism when it comes to advertising in the digital space so let me make my point clear here advertising in the digital space i'm still a lot more skeptical but using digital as a medium for other various kinds of communication when it comes to either training or connectivity or bringing digitalization into a lot of things that we used to earlier do manually i'm a big fan of it because i've seen how it is involved and how it is benefited a lot of people cost and reach wise so definitely a large campaigner of digitalization 
but digital advertising i'm still very skeptical about no i agree with you on the advertising aspect tarvani there's a lot of black hat stuff that goes on on like as an agency owner i see lots of agencies actually advertising saying that we'll get you 500 likes in a month 2000 likes and so on and so forth first of all those are vanity metrics and second hmm. they're probably coming from uh, bot accounts so this is a huge problem that all agency owners battle when we go into a meeting with a potential client there are undue expectations on the other side and when we tell people that we don't do black hat in the digital space it's not very dust that you can sprinkle and expect leads to magically appear in a month or so so when we tell them that it's a long hard long hat kind of process we have to educate our prospects people who think that black hat is the way to go or who don't know about black hat and get misled thinking that they'll get 500 likes in a month these are the real problems in the digital space what are the things that a new marketer typically gets wrong when they're very new into the marketing space what mistakes did you make early on in your career you want to take the charwani <laughs> she didn't make any mistakes so no, i'm oh, thinking of the number i made and which one should i talk about yeah precisely we would all be lying through our teeth if we said we didn't make mistakes while it was extremely lucky that i got into a marketing role directly visavi not having served as a sales person also made my learning curve very steep i was telling madhvi this the other day that early on in my life it was ingrained into my system that marketing is the brain of an organization and sales is the brawn which i do not know why but everybody still believes that okay but i think the kind of learning that a sales stint brings into somebody's life is uncomparable if you've not done sales if you've not been out there especially being in product sales handling the distribution channel in india you really not learned marketing today also if any of these large fmcg companies be it uh, unilever be it uh, marico be it png the first thing they may hire i am grads they may hire really pedigree people from across great universities uh, from the globe the first thing they will do is put them on a six month stint in the remotest village or taluka level to go down there and do the sales part of it that's what teaches them the ground up realities of selling in a country like india since i got into marketing straight off my boss made sure that he made my life living hell for the first 6 months by putting me on the road putting me into a sales function across india for various periods of time while i really cursed him at that point in time i cannot in hindsight be more thankful for what he did which taught me that as a marketer if you are not having your years close to the ground if you do not feel the pulse of the customers and consumers that you are actually marketing to you are a lost cause initially my mistakes were probably i didn't know where to put monies in i made mistakes in putting money into the wrong budget activities today at least i know i'm running a company and i can still take ownership at that point in time i was handling budgets of a company's money and that can be very costly mistake to make but people have been organizations have been benevolent in helping me learn that's where i've learned how to invest your monies as a marketer to get the maximum bang for the buck those mistakes every marketer will initially make and it's a trial and error process even today from my perspective some of the biggest mistakes i've made have been as an agency owner 
and of a bootstrap small agency i have been desperate enough to take on jobs and have signed on to do things which we have probably uh, not had expertise or experience in and i have outgrown that i think for the most part although you know as a business owner there's always the desperation to get the order because end of the day you need to pay salaries when the first week of the month rolls in a key thing is in the digital space people often think that uh, magic happens it doesn't happen it's still a grind here in the digital space very similar to what sharwani described maybe not the physical rigor but there is a lot of rigor here too and uh, technology changes at such a fast pace that you have to keep pace with it a big element of it is educating our customer uh, when they come to us and they say okay start this campaign for me take over all my channels and get me 200 leads per month we have to tell them that we have to do the brand awareness first we have to build the brands we have to do the drip emailers we have to do the landing pages you have to stitch the whole thing together as an agency clearly blue our expertise lies in uh, thought leadership content is one of our strengths nowadays what we do is if people come to us for pure lead gen when all they want is leads for their product or service and they're not really interested in building the brand and doing the thought leadership etching out a solid digital presence for themselves we politely actually refer them to other customers so this is a hard learning that i have this is something i have acquired over the years initially i would not educate them enough about the difference between lead gen and doing brand awareness brand building thought leadership kind of campaign fallen into that hole doing legion takes a different kind of skill set which we have built now but still uh, we prefer to do thought leadership that is just one of the examples that i have for you we have done a myriad such other stuff stupid stuff as well <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of people who are getting into marketing and digital marketing is now a buzzword so i'm sure there are so many people from multiple fields who are getting into it these are probably some words of advice for yeah, all of them yeah yeah absolutely Do you recall any funny or memorable instances in your career related to any marketing events or marketing campaigns? This is initially in the early 2000s, event-led marketing thing. We were taking the brand Blaupung. At that point in time, realized that you're selling music in a car, and if you're trying to sell music in a car, music is all about experience. And if you don't sell it without experience, then who would buy? And I was launching a brand. which was being uh, legally imported into india at that point in time there was 300% customs duty on the legal imports of music systems so what the illegal imports were selling at 8000 5000 6000 we were selling at 25000 a piece which was 20 years ago was a huge amount of money so i was trying to launch a brand and a product which was that expensive you would walk in and you would be shown the panel and it was a black panel and people would buy it so we said no we have to make it experiential so we took this whole journey of taking the musical experience across 29 cities across the country so i hired an agency to build a tata 407 into a demo van which had all the blaupung equipment into it we took it across 29 cities i think my parents had written me off mobile phones were expensive at that point in time they didn't know which part of the country i was in doing what at that point in time but uh, i traveled 29 cities with that vehicle we had this brilliant timing we started off this campaign in bombay during the peak monsoon period it was raining cats and dogs in bombay and i'm sitting in this dingy place in andheri 
where my van is getting done and i have like the big wigs of the company coming to launch the whole campaign on the next day it's 5:36 the previous evening and this guy comes to me and says madam itna barish ho raha hai vinyl sticky nahi ho raha hai it just starts sticking on and i am not able to brand the vehicle to aapka vehicle kal tak nahi banega i'm just fresh little thing who is 2 years into her career trying to launch this whole big thing literally the managing director of the company is coming and boss at that point of time managing director was like a big big deal to flag off this campaign and for bosch it's like the first consumer oriented thing so nobody has done things like this before the whole company is watching what you're doing and this guy is coming and telling me vinyl stick nahi ho raha madam so <laughs> the whole night i made probably 20 30 people sit up with me and i said no i'm not leaving this space until you get that van ready it's a really dingy andheri place i'm sitting there in this garage kind of a place because i'm sitting the whole group of my sales people my distributor team everybody is sitting awake with me and the whole night we have just sat there trying to not only physically warm the place up but you know trying other things to warm the place up so that that vinyl sticks come what may the next morning uh, by around 9:30 10 we had something going we were all so beaten but we got the launch done and the campaign was a huge success but i think i made a lot of people miserable really really miserable that night ಜರ್ಮನಿ 
he probably had no clue he'd just come here to have a good time i would make sure that he would come with me to a few cities as somebody who's coming from germany and take him to different dealerships and milk the whole prospect that i brought somebody exclusively from germany to just meet you and he would be this chutko intern who just come to spend a few months did you tell them he's a leader No, no. German boys are big built anyway. As long as your fair skin, it works. I would milk that to the core. It's all about how you market the concept internally as well. I mean, this ricochets on us. The flip side is I've heard of a Indian boss of an American employee who was treated very badly in some meetings and things like that because people automatically assume that the American is the boss. It sometimes will go hit us in the face also. Tarwani and Padmaja, thank you both for a wonderful and very insightful conversation. I learned a lot by listening to you. Please subscribe to the Edge Podcast on your favorite podcast channel. We are on Google, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends. If you have stories to share and want to be featured on our podcast, write to us at podcasts at adepticlabs.com.